Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Afro Latinos. This is your co-host Alvin and Chandler. And today we are include uh, concluding the uh, Black History Month series. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we have taken uh, this month to invite various experts in their field and or people who uh, have something to say. Uh, and so we have been talking about primarily race in a, in a lot of different fields of life. We've talked about race in the field of education. We uh, heard from Dwayne Graves as he talked about his experiences in the military, um, as well as um, last week talking about uh, entrepreneurship with uh, Nishan Trotter, the owner of Trot Fitness here in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and so this week, uh, we have invited a friend of mine, uh, Kara Clace, um, coming all the way from, are you from Delaware, Kara? No, I'm from Ohio. Well, well. Wow. Well, coming all the way from Ohio, coming at you from wherever she's coming from. This is Kara Clace, everybody. Welcome, Kara. What's up? What's up? I'm just uh, sharing the link real quick. Join us, you know, trying to We got one view right now. It's probably you as you're opening and sharing the link. So... <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't even open YouTube. I think that's legit. okay. Well, then you're good. Then it's a it's a viewer on Facebook. Hello, yeah. Facebook viewer. What's up? Uh, and so, Kara, as you as you're getting settled in here, I will uh, preview the episode for everyone, just letting everybody know kind of what's going on. So, um, on this episode today, we are opening up or reopening up a conversation that we previously had with our friend Seth Spawnhouse, who Kara happens to know quite well. Um, we are all at one point in time Miller's Villians, and so. Uh, in the previous conversation with Seth, who is the executive director of the Community Theater League in Williamsport, um, we were talking about race and how it affects the theater industry um, from a you know a director of theater's experience. And so on this episode, we wanted to take it to an actor's perspective. Now, of course, we know that Seth does, still does some acting, but from someone who is primarily an actor, um, or has had experiences being an actor, um, we wanted to invite Kara on to talk about her experiences. And so, Kara, give us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, uh, and then we will begin in our conversation. Okay, so um, you covered Hi, some Um I am currently a PhD student at the University of Delaware. Um, I am studying... Um, public policy, basically. And, and before that, I got my master's in econ. And then while we were at Millersville, my bachelor's was in economics with um, a minor in mathematics. So sometimes when I'm talking to people who are sort of in my academic sphere, sort of like in my work circle, they're very surprised to learn that I do musical theater, um, just because that's not a typical like hobby of someone who's in academia. Um, especially, it's especially rare for somebody to be engaged in theater during their PhD studies, just because it's so intense and it requires so much time. Sure. But yeah, but I, I do it because one, it forces me to manage my time well, because if I know I'm gonna be going to rehearsal at six o'clock, then I know I'm gonna have to be very disciplined about how I use the time in my day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, I, I don't think it's really healthy to um, immerse yourself completely in a PhD program and not do anything else outside of that. So I've been able, luckily, to 
um, at least pre-pandemic, to remain active in theater. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm from Ohio. Uh, my parents moved around a lot as I grew up, but I was born and there are a couple periods of my life where I lived um, in different places in Ohio. And that's where a lot of my extended family live, both my father's side and my mother's side. So sometimes the Midwestern jumps out of me. I'm like, pop. Or I say, oh um, no! My, not, every time I go home, it's it's I'm I don't know, care if you know, I'm from Newcastle, PA, which is like 15 minutes outside of the Ohio border. So I'm I'm out that that way too. But um, it, yeah, every time I go up there, the yins and all that Pittsburghness comes yeah. out, and I just like out and and washing the clothes. And every time I talk to my grandma, I'm like, like, come on, grandma, like, come on. <laughs> Um, I mean, one thing I've encountered, I, I just realized it, it's problematic to people over like on the East is a lot of people, you know, they'll say vacuum, like vacuum the carpet or the room. I just learned it's a Midwestern thing to say sweeper. So well, I've I, heard run the sweeper. I, I hear that around here every once in a while. I, I guess like I was just the other week I was, um, Warning, because I was about to sweeper um, the house. My boyfriend, he has um, a dog that sheds a lot. So we have to vacuum um, quite a bit. And I was just warning him that, hey, I'm, a, you know, I'm about to sweeper, you know, like just in case he was going to be on a call or something. Mm -hmm. So he would know. And he's just like, what? What are you talking about? I'm just like, <laughs> like the broom is the broom is in the closet. Like, I right. got, like and you, I it doesn't like, make noise. You're good. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's right. So mm. I, it's just little things like that or like um, gym shoes. Like sneakers? It, gym shoes. <laughs> I, I hate the way you just said that to me, by the way. I don't, I don't appreciate, I don't appreciate <laughs> this. Okay. Gym, gym shoes. <laughs> You're going to put some respect. On oh, I hear you. No, I. And I, I think I read somewhere that gym shoes is specific to Cincinnati. And my my family is from Dayton, Ohio, which is just a sneeze away from Cincinnati. So I was is like, that oh. a, is that an official term of measurement? A sneeze? That's what we're that's mm -hmm. what we're doing now. We're just uh, it's like a... mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so welcome Kara to the show. Uh, and today, so as I said, uh, from the beginning, we're just, we're just going to have a conversation about, um, how we feel that race affects the theater industry and kind of want to hear your experiences. And I, I think Chaney and I have some, in, uh, some experiences as well, but, um, for you, what kind of drew you originally to musical theater? When did you realize that that was something that you were interested in and, uh, something that you wanted to participate in? Well, I would say the, the thing that sort of got my foot in the door for it was when I was in, like, since I was little, um, I really liked to sing. And so, you know, in, in theater, they usually ask you, like, are you a singer? Are you an actor? Are you a dancer? Mm -hmm. Triple threat? Are you an actor that can sing? Are you a singer that can move well? Right. So I started out as a singer. Like that was the thing that came naturally to me. Um, I never took vocal lessons um, simply because, simply because my parents are just like, we ain't paying for that, <laughs> which I respect it. You know, they fed mm -hmm. me with me. They did, they did 
their job. That, that's enough. That's enough, right? Exactly. Like I, I can't be, you know, getting bitter over the extra. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So the the closest I got to like vocal lessons was um, being in choir. So I was in choir. I um, the first time I was in choir was in middle school. Um, and then in high school, I continued to do choir and I really wasn't folk, like, I didn't even think of theater as a possibility. Um, my mom liked, um, like golden age of Hollywood musicals, you know, like, um, on Moonlight Bay or Singing in the Rain and, you know, stuff like that. So she introduced me to that and I love stuff like that, but I never envisioned myself being that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one day I was uh, a freshman in high school. And um, at, at this point in time, I lived in like um, Western PA. And um, are you familiar with like uh, Altoona? Mm -hmm. So I didn't live in Altoona, but it, we were close. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, I it's a like, sneeze away from uh, wherever you from wherever you were. Um. Or was it a little more than a sneeze? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to understand the measurement system here. Maybe a couple of sneezes <laughs> away from Altoona. I mean, we were close enough to where, like, in elementary school, we went to like <laughs> curve as like a field trip. So it wasn't gotcha. like that. Gotcha. Um. So you know, I lived in like a small town. Some people might describe it as like the boonies. You know, it was like a country small town. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so um, ninth grade, uh, I took, because you're supposed to take like certain um, extracurriculars mm -hmm. and you had a choice between like theater, something else and something else. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do theater. So I took the theater class and the theater uh, teacher was like, okay, um, I am directing the school musical. And at the time the musical was Bye Bye Birdie. And uh, I'm just going to say this now. I respect the golden age of Broadway and all of the older, more um, non-contemporary shows. But there are some productions that I have trouble sitting through. And Bye Bye Birdie is one of the longest and most uninteresting musicals to me. Maybe I just haven't seen the right production. <laughs> but um, well, yeah. here's the thing about Bye Bye Birdie. I think there's some music there's I categorize musicals in different ways from the perspective mm -hmm. of a performer. Sure. Um, there are some shows or musicals that are funner to be in than to watch. And there are some musicals that are funner to watch than to be in. You know, I would say Bye Bye Birdie is funner to be in than to watch because the I will say I've done Bye Bye Birdie twice. I did it my freshman year of high school and I did it my junior year of high school because okay. I moved oh, um, my yeah, sophomore say, year. That's, that's and bold. then the high school, <laughs> I, I moved to Southern California. My parents did. And um, the musical they ended up doing my junior year was Bye Bye Birdie. And I will admit, and this is probably a combination of me being like really young and probably not like focused, but um the first time I did Bye Bye Birdie, by the end of it, I didn't know what it was about. You could have been yeah. like, Kara, you know, I, I was a whole character. And you could have mm -hmm. been like, Kara, what is Bye Bye Birdie about? What's, what's, what's the theatrical themes of the mm -hmm. show? And mm -hmm. I, 
I would have been like, I don't know, but I know I got to be here on stage and, you know, act like a fangirl. Something, like, something about the grandma being uh, <laughs> the the funniest character in the show. Something that I, that's all I could tell you. So um, I think the funniest character in the show is uh, the dad, Mr. McAfee, who's obsessed okay. with Ed Sullivan. I think he's pretty funny. And I think Comrade Birdie has the potential to be really funny. Maybe I just saw not a good. I will not say the school that I. Of course, again, I should say I'm. You know, I primarily indulge in high school theater these days, and I will never say what school uh, that I saw it at. Um, because okay. it, my standing in the community has to remain as such. So maybe it just wasn't that interesting of a production. Maybe it just. I don't. I, you know. I don't know. Everyone so does Wild Birdie every year. So it's hard to follow as an audience yeah. member. It's hard to follow what exactly the plot. Yeah. Is. And, you know, Bye Bye Birdie is kind of like a spoof of Elvis, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you have the teenage, like 1950s heartthrob, and then they go off in the military. That's, mm -hmm. that's Elvis, and he has the same singing style. So sometimes maybe, depending on the audience, if it's a younger audience, that might fall flat, you know, because that, that was a different era um, and that was probably more of like a older boomer type mm -hmm. uh, jam, you know, Elvis and them. But I mean, a lot of people like it know Elvis, but the, the plot is just, unless you're really paying attention, yeah, um, yeah. which most average everyday people, their focus yeah. is going to stray sometimes. Unless you're really paying attention, it can be hard to follow the plot. The music I think is catchy. There, mm -hmm. there, there are some cute bops. <laughs> on, on that musical, but uh, in that musical, um, but anyway, so my musical theater, my theater teacher was like, I'm directing Bye Bye Birdie and you have two options. She's like, either you're going to spend all of this time in the workshop completing a certain amount of hours to help us build the set and da da da, or you can be in the show. So the way I thought about it, I'm just like, well, dang, like, I don't want to be in the workshop. You know, I'm not going I'm like, I, I'll just be in the show. So my best friend and I, um, at the time, we auditioned. And I, you know, it's very funny because I didn't really take the audition too seriously. I was very lighthearted about it. I was kind of doing it more out of this is a requirement for my theater class and I'm mm -hmm. just having fun. So they let you choose like what's, you had to sing a song from the musical for the audition mm -hmm. and then you had to pick like a scene to act out and you could pick which one they gave them to you ahead of time. I picked um, English teacher, uh, Rosie song. And then I did a scene where it was like the grandma or Kim McAfee. Mm -hmm. Like I just, my choices made no sense. Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't apparent. Like what I was going right. for, I was just having fun. I was like, Oh, this scene's funny. And so eventually, you know, they put up the cast list and I turn out to get the part of Nancy, which was unheard of because they had a rule at this high school where in the musical freshmen were freshmen were always in the ensemble no name parts hmm. no name parts and Nancy in telephone hour has her own little solo mm -hmm. you see and so those type of parts were usually reserved for like people who were seniors or juniors who got rejected from the lead you know, they they yeah, got yeah. first dibs on supporting and like cute little cameos that had like little solos and stuff like that yeah. on stage time. So I was super excited. 
you know, I, I just got the funky little part of Nancy, but I was just like, oh my goodness, like my first debut yeah. as a main character. <laughs> now, some of the seniors weren't digging it. So I didn't really have too many um, people liking me during that show. Mm-hmm. I it, it, I kind of went unfazed about it, though. Like there were some people who were kind of like bitter Betty's and, you know, the choir teacher who was the musical director. Um, we got along very well. And he was one of the people. Um, his name, I th- believe, was Mr. Swope. And he, he just, he taught me so much because he was the choir teacher. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought he was a fantastic um, teacher, but, you know, he he would, you know, give me praise and encouragement. And some people, I think, like, took that the wrong way during the rehearsal process or it just, you know, they felt some type of way. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, you know, got like... Um, criticized and picked at a lot i think by those um senior classes but it was still a good um experience for me and that was my first theater experience and after i got a taste of that you know i was hooked (laughs) (laughs) it was just so much fun to me and i was just like wow like you know i can do more stuff yeah this so we we have we have eerily similar backgrounds in terms of how we started in our theater process so when i was growing up i did not know that i (laughs) had any abilities whatsoever i still to this day i'm surprised some days when i do things that i do but eris cheney will tell you i can't do anything so you know um (laughs) when i when i started in um in high school my freshman year like you i i kind of just the, the freshman year production for me was the music man. And so I did not oh, know yeah. anything about musicals. No one in my house liked musical theater at the time. There was not, never, but I had done, I had done musicals at church. So every year we had a Christmas musical around church and it was, you know, everyone had a part, everyone, you, if you wanted a part, you had one. And, you know, back then it was like, whatever. So I didn't know that I could sing or that I could act or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, I had seen our pastor's daughter in her time in high school was, was in the music man and we had gone to see it. And so I, I've never been a big sporty person. I'm not good at any sport I've ever played literally ever. Um, and so it was just like, let's give this a shot. Let's just see what happens. Let me go to audition. So like you in the audition, I don't even remember. I think my, my first audition, I might have sang, isn't she lovely? Um, from, with Stevie Wonder song, yeah. Um, because I honestly did not know any musical theater songs to even be able to audition. And at that point, if you wanted a lead, uh, if you wanted a lead, you could you could audition with oh, a. Oh, that's my mom. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> that's my girl. That's, um, I call my mom my girl. It's well, like, I appreciate that. You got to have someone in your corner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, if you wanted a lead or supporting role, I think you had to do a song from the show. But if you just wanted to be in the show, you could just sing kind of whatever. Just wanted to hear what mm-hmm. you could do. So I went in the audition not knowing what to do. I didn't know what to sing or what to say or whatever. So I went in, did my little thing. And when the cast list was posted, I I was put into the barbershop quartet, which is you know, a fairly important role in the show and you have to have some singing ability to be in the show. Now I'm going to keep it. 100 it's it's, a, hard, it's just... a hard part. Cause if the harmonies oh. are tight, 
It's Kara, a laughing moment. Let, for let me tell you. Let me tell you how not tight our harmonies were. Uh, <laughs> we were the barbershop quartet that sang everything in unison because um, there was some stuff that happened, so we had to replace the high tenor of the group, um, and it was kind of like a thrown together thing at the end, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we. We and I didn't know enough about music to know like how to follow notes or how to do any of that stuff. So I was just kind of seeing what I remembered, and it, I I probably was one of the major problems. But it was a disaster. We we mm. they eventually by showtime was just like you're singing everything at the same. You're just singing everything in unison. So it was the, probably the worst barbershop quartet in the history of uh, barbershop. The but of a barbershop oh, oh absolutely, oh absolutely. <laughs> Um, I think you know in the in the little ice cream song we might have been able to ice cream ice cream ice cream ice cream we might have been yeah. able to do that but then when we got into lighter rolls and all the other songs it, I'm pretty sure it was all in unison so it's kind of mm-hmm. defeated the purpose and I was gonna give up like I I was I had a great time it was so much fun I made a lot of friends that year but I didn't know anything about musical theater I didn't know I still didn't really know especially because of how traumatic that experience was for me I didn't know that um yeah. I had any abilities. I just thought that was it. Um, and then a, a senior who was graduating that year stopped me like the last night of the show. And I remember I'll never forget his face. I'll never forget his name and, and what he said to me. And the gist of what he said was, this is where you need to be. This is where you belong. Don't give up. Oh. And I will never forget the exact words he said. I'll never forget the moment and the place that we What's were behind the stage. He'll never watch it. It's all right. He <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just, I appreciate him for that. He's, um, it's like he's sitting here watching all bitter. Could you watch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever told anyone who it actually was, but it, no, I'll keep, I'll, I'll tell you why I won't say it. Um, I'll tell you later. Um, but from when he said that, I was just like, okay um and then i joined choir that next year and so that kind of just you know then i fell in love with with theater and all up until my my so i took a break actually from the time i did high school shows and then as you know we did a show together and this is where we met my freshman year of college um i was in rent and that was a cool experience and i think um if i could do that show again Knowing what I know about myself now, I wish I could go back and actually accept the role that was offered to me um, way back that. when. But I was much too insecure in my youngness. Um, so <laughs> I, I really wish I could go back and do it all over again. But uh, so that's where we met. And, um, you know, that was the last show that I did mm-hmm. um, until two years ago, uh, my, my first year teaching. So I took a, a while break, a hiatus, and, and I did some work with some with a. My high school director is a really good friend of mine now, uh, Russ Wynn. Cheney, you know Russ. Um, so he's a really good friend of mine now. And uh, so I would go back and I would help him with his shows and stuff that he had done. But I hadn't been on stage um, until, uh, and Maggie, if you're still watching, I, I actually, your the show that I did with Maggie Abel, who had commented a little while ago, um, she was the director um was the first show that i had been in in a long time and that was driving miss daisy and what's crazy about that is i had never done a play so you you said like you know they're often in the theater world you think of singers you think of actors or dancers or sometimes the 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 oh maggie it it was absolutely my pleasure um and so 
Uh, I did not think that I was much of an actor. I always saw myself as a singer who could dance and kind of just made my way through acting. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheney, watch your mouth. If you want to stay, if you want to say something, <laughs> unmute your mic and say something. Um, but dancing, I might not be the greatest dancer ever, but I, I can learn it quickly and at least be able to mimic what's supposed to be being done. Um, but, um, I never saw myself as much of an actor. So when the opportunity to be in the play arose, I was like, well, now I'm really going to be, you know, laying it all on the line. And then you know, I had some feelings also about the show and, and what it <laughs> meant. And it's kind of leading into the discussion that we're going to be having. Um, Cheney, look at what your brother just said in the comments. I'm not even going to bring it up. <laughs> but um, but that's kind of kind of what leads us to where we are now. So have you have you ever had um, any experiences in. Well, I guess let's talk about this. Um, there's a couple questions I have for you, as well as just, you know, just want to talk to you about your experiences in the theater. So um, as you began to audition and as you began to fall in love with theater, um, has there ever been a time where you felt that you were unlikely to get a role because of the color of your skin or because of, yeah. you know, all of all of that that entails and, and what it means? Because as I look at you and as I know who you are, you can pass, you know, for a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, you, I can see if I'm putting my typecasting glasses on, I could typecast you as this light skinned woman who could potentially just be white with a tan or put you into the Hispanic side or is there, or even, you know, maybe for some, you know, in a, in a show like ragtime or a show like, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, where, where you would be expected to see, um uh a black female role mm-hmm. um but have you ever felt like there was a time for you that that you w- walked into an audition not sure that you were going to get the role because of what mm-hmm. you look like yeah so it might be a little hard to see kind of like um uh, my tone because i'm like sitting literally right in front of a window so i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mom says didn't like rent. Yeah, she didn't like rent. She didn't. <laughs> She's a more traditional type of gal. Like, yeah, I, I, I hear type of tea. Listen, I, I I did not tell my parents about um, rent and the actual because we've only seen the movie edition. They'd never known about the stage edition. So like contact, which is still haunts me to this day. By the way, um, I did not that, warn my that, my family that they were coming. That that, that part was happening for anyone. I mean, it, it's and it's a yeah. For for my for my dad who was a pastor and um my girlfriend at the time and her family who were coming who I also did not warn that that scene was happening mm-hmm. it was quite shocking to see yep. an orgy taking place on stage behind a curtain so um yeah Jane that's yeah yeah it was uh it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done on stage <laughs> yeah, to this day I, I never... remember what you did for contact you were holding up like the sheet right yeah and you kept you kept doing one move. Yeah, because I was and, and, uncomfortable. And, I did not and, want to be there. Yeah, Professor Elliot kept telling you, like, Abin, we need more, we need something different. But you kept doing this. You were like. Yep, that, that's all you get. <laughs> that's it. That's all. Like, oh. Look, I'm out. I, like, oh, I wanted to be, I wanted to trade place with Micah holding the lamp so bad. I was so jealous. He got to stand on that platform and hold that lamp and just stand there. I wanted to be him so bad, but anyway, that's, well, that's okay. So, I like to forget about that, those times in my life. But anyway, continue. But into the original <laughs> question, I had trouble with lighting because, like, if I close this, I start looking like kind of dingy. Like, I have like a salt 
Himalayan lamp here and then I start <laughs> orange and then I like you, you saw me struggling with like lighting before yes, it's all good. and then I do this and then I look like overexposed and it like washes out like my yeah feet. now you're gone yeah um now in terms of like I'll break it down in a couple of things in terms of white rolls that's a struggle because as you can see from my hair it's a dead yeah. giveaway um so it's like you're not gonna pass you know for um, Dorothy and you got a pop you got a puff on your head. Like it's just mm -hmm. not happening. Um, so, uh, there, there was a role in particular. So my senior year of high school, I had never had a lead at that point, And I was really hoping that I would be able to get a lead, a supporting role, like something a little bit more significant with more, um, responsibilities, um, and so my high school, uh, theater, uh, teacher said the mm -hmm. musical we're doing is little women. And I was just like, no, cause you know, little women, it's like colonial, like <laughs> yeah. USA, yes. yeah. you know, most of the people in our department were, um, white and it's, it's a white show, you mm -hmm. know, it's always mm -hmm. just, like, well, how am I gonna be a March sister? you know, or the mother. And I'm sitting up here with a whole puff on my head and everybody else has uh, blonde hair and blue eyes. You mm -hmm. know, it's just mm -hmm. not going to work. But then my theater teacher, he was very awesome. Shout out to Derek Hyde um, and his wife, Megan Hyde. Um, probably some of the biggest influences on me as um, a performer today. Um, he yeah. just touched me in a way that really pushed me to keep performing but um mr hyde said and because i think he could see the look on like my face and like the filipino kid's face and you know when he announced that he said i just want to make it clear that we will not be casting based on race it is going to be pure talent he's like if we have you know this like mix up of people then oh no is that <laughs> i think that's my sister so I'll, I'll get to the wig later. So he's like, whoever is the best is who's going to be cast. So I felt a lot better at that point that it was kind of like a colorblind, like uh, Brandy and Whitney yeah. and Cinderella type of tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, like I, I, I really put in a lot of work for that. I, I was so silly. I drank water, room temperature water and tea and honey for like two months. That was all I drank in preparation for this audition. Like I really thought I was doing something. Like I, I was getting <laughs> a strategy down. Like I had a whole plot to try to get, you know, Joe March. So, you know, the auditions come and go and I, I got the part, but going in, yeah, my, me being a person of color in particular, I'm a person who is half black, half white, so a black adjacent person, or if we're talking in terms of ethnicity, um, an African-American person, um, I, I was just worried um, because obviously if the rest of the sisters are white with blue eyes and, you know, sandy blonde mm -hmm. hair, I'm going to stick out. There was this joke in the show among some of my castmates because I was Joe and then everybody else, like all the other sisters, you know, Beth and... Amy and all of them, Meg, they were like white, blonde hair, blue eyes, light brown hair, blue eyes. Like that's just how it turned out. And so they made this joke that I was the milkman's daughter. 
<laughs> it was just like it was like I'm Meg, I'm Amy, I'm Beth, I'm Joe. Like you know, he's screwing the milkman. Well, that'll end up that'll end up with you being in Chicago real quick. So <laughs> you gotta be careful with that one. Yeah. So you know, it's instances like that. I think also something that concerns me is like really like the type of shows like local theaters pick um, shows that like the university. Um, mm-hmm that we went to um, would pick and, and things like that, because, you know, as someone who can, you know, there's kind of two slots I can fit in, you know, there's the um, Afro theater, you know, so more of like the African-American like theater shows. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's uh, Latino, Latinx Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I did West Side Story and I did it at Ephrata Performing Arts Center and, you know, like some parts of like the Lancaster region aren't as diverse as others. Mm-hmm. So they really wanted to make sure that people who were casted as sharks were at the very least people of color. And then, you know, the added bonus of actually getting in like Latinx representation and they were, you know, so adamant about that, that they actually reached out to people after the initial audition to see who was interested to make sure those spots were by um, people who phenotypically at the very least um, were appropriate for those spots. So I remember um, the director, uh, Ed, um, he reached out to me. I didn't even audition for the EPAC season. I didn't audition. Um, I didn't even really know what was going on. And he reached out to me and he was like, would you be interested in coming to the West Side Story callback for Anita? Because, you know, maybe he just wanted more options Mm -hmm. um, beyond what showed up to the initial audition uh, for that. And I said, yeah, you know, because West Side Story has always been like one of my bucket list shows. It's it's a big show. So, um, you know, so those are kind of like the two categories I fit into. Now, in terms of like representation roles, like if we're specifically talking about roles that are for maybe like multiracial people, um, it's they're just simply not really there. Yeah, it's like I can name a bunch of shows for monoracial um, mm-hmm. black people. Mm-hmm. I can name a bunch of shows for monoracial white people. But it's like name me a musical theater lead that is specifically for a multiracial person. And if we even want to go deeper, for a person who's half black, half white, right? They're sure. just not there. So either way, it, it doesn't exist. At least not right, right now. Um, that's specifically for that type. So either way, I'm going to be taking up space if I want to, mm-hmm. you know do significant parts in theater, I'm going to be taking up space of something that's not quite me, regardless of what I do. Um, But I at least try to make sure um, I I do have limits in terms of of that. Like if, for example, if we were doing, if if there was a musical like, I'm trying to think, um, Nina Simone, the musical, I would never put throw my hat in for Nina Simone because mm-hmm. Nina Simone was a dark skinned woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is an important part of her story and her journey as right. a performer in uh, a racist industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would never put my hat in for 
um, something like that, because I just think that would be um, inappropriate and, and not really a good relaying of, of the story, of the struggle she went sure. through as a dark-skinned woman with obvious Afro features. So, you know, I, I just do what I can. You know what I mean? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I some, it, it's really hard, like, reading the room of what I can try out for. The last show I did before the pandemic... It was in November of 2019. I did Hunchback of Notre Dame at Wilburn um, Stone Theater. And I played as Meralda. So that's kind of like a role where it can easily be like ambiguous and like mm -hmm. to have that gypsy like look. So a role like that is pretty comfortable for someone who phenotypically looks like me. And I think even under like the official character descriptions, I think they specifically say that, you know, preferably like, you know, either someone who's like ethnically ambiguous or someone who has darker features, you know, so maybe that yeah. kind of ish count, but it's not part of her story. It never mm -hmm. says like Esmeralda is, you know, a right. like mm -hmm. that's not in there. So. Yeah. I, do Cheney, I think Cheney had a question a little bit ago that I don't know why his mic is muted, but he had a question, I think. So if you remember what it is, Cheney, and then I, I have do. a couple questions. It's my my uh, only question of the... Uh, Your question of the day? Yeah, the question <laughs> of the day, the usual. Um, I guess it goes for both of you. Has there ever been... Like, when you audition for stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know what you're auditioning for because it's like, oh, I'm... I, I'm, you know pretty much that character, you know, like black, Hispanic, you know, tall, short, you know, whatever, you know, you, mm -hmm. you go for that. Has there ever been a time where uh, there was a role that you were like, you know, a role that you guys want to do and like, you just don't see yourself doing it because you can't right now you know what i mean like if it's, it's a white role or something but you like you really want to do it like it like one day you know hopefully like things change and you can do it it's like do you guys have like any of those roles a, a million and a half but care i'll let you go i'll let you go first you, if you, you want you can go first because i just got done like talking for 18 minutes so Shaylin is telling you to stop Cheney because that was uh, her question. And Shaylin <laughs> is my, that's my fiance. Um, and she, she did have a couple questions and we'll get there, Shaylin, I promise. Um, but yes. And this is one of the things that, that I um, was thinking of as Kara was speaking, but just, you know, when you think of traditional age Broadway, especially, and we talked about this a little bit with Seth also, when you think about traditional shows, um, like a like a sing in the rain, or you think about a thoroughly modern Miller, you think about Hello Dolly. These shows are written for mm -hmm. white audiences and They're predominantly white. for white voices and mm -hmm. for white people. Um, mm -hmm. and and so it is nerve wracking and scary a lot of times to say, I really, <laughs> I really want to do this part but i know it's not written for me and to be able to step into that place like for example when i was a junior in high school i was um cast and it was what i wanted 
um, but as Horace Vandergelder in um, Hello Dolly. Now, if you know the show, <clears throat> you know, you got Barbara Streisand in the movie, at least and on stage at some point. You got Barbara. You think about Barbara. You think about Yonkers, New York, and being the owner of a business, of a successful business, and being rich in Yonkers at the time. That's that's not for a black person. No, no black man was owning a business and having two white employees in Yonkers, New York um, at that time. Um, and, and so my, my good friend, Russ, the director, you know, cast me in that role. And I, and I was still in high school at the time. And I'm thinking like people that are coming to to see the show are going to be like, well, that's a, you know, that's black horse, you know, that we don't see that. I mean, what black person, you know, Horace Vandergelder, I mean, come on, like that's not written for someone who's black. That's just not, um, and I did the show and it was great time. And, And even like my senior year, when we did children of Eden, I, I I was cast as father and that's in the show's perspective that's supposed to be who God is and most people don't think of God and see black so I'm just like you know and there's been shows there have definitely been shows um that I have looked at and even that CTL has done that I've looked at and said I'm probably not auditioning for that because I don't see myself as that character. I don't see myself represented as that character. I don't relate to that character. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to mm-hmm. be cast. I mean, I, I, I auditioned for Sweeney Todd. Um, and I, for a lot of reasons, I think I wasn't cast in the show. Um, my, mainly I was super unavailable. My dad was unable to drive at the time. And so I had to be his chauffeur um, to a lot of different places. And so that was, I'm I, knowing Seth and knowing everyone there. There's, it's not like my race had anything to do with it. Um, it was simply, I was just unavailable a lot. Um, but there were, you know, even for auditioning for a show like Sweeney Todd, I was super nervous to audition for that because I'm thinking like, this is England in the whatever year that was probably not looking at a, a Sweeney Todd, a, a barber, a black barber, at that time, you know, owning his business and doing all that stuff. It's just like, you know, things like that, especially when you think about traditional Broadway. Now, as you get to more contemporary shows, I think that a lot more contemporary shows give you a little bit of leeway in terms of uh, racial ambiguity and being able to uh, fit into any role. But, you know, there are still times when I'm going to be nervous to audition for roles because I feel like I won't be able to portray the character appropriately and in the backlash from that. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. Um okay, I guess the baton is passed off to me. Yeah, it's your turn. Um, so <laughs> one thing I guess I forgot to touch on when I was kind of talking about like auditioning for certain roles and being worried that my um my race, my like uh physical show vote. (laughs) I like that show. Um, Where I'm worried that like me culturally and phenotypically, you know, like won't Mm -hmm. fit a role. It's not just even about looks. It's also kind of about vocal type because Mm -hmm. when I was first starting out, because my influences in terms of singing was basically the people that my mom exposed me to. So that's going to be like people 
from like the R&B scene and like even like back in like the 50s and 60s, you know, and people like the Supremes and, Mm -hmm. you know, those were sort of like my influences in terms of like how to sing. Um, Jennifer Holiday, um, Dream Girls. My mom had like a Jennifer Holiday CD and she played it almost every day. So, (laughs) you know, those were my influences and that taught me how to sing. So from the jump, my voice was always a belty, soulful voice because mm-hmm. culturally that's what influenced me. Now, bring in musical theater, especially, I guess, back when I was, you know, in high school and stuff like bro- the, the face of Broadway is starting to change a little bit, like the type right. of shows they're doing. Right. Um, it's moving, I think, a little bit in a different direction that's more inclusive. I agree. Um, but Back in those times, like, and especially since high schools really want to do like rated G stuff, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to get like, some do, some don't, but most err on the side of caution. So they just do like the oldie stuff, like singing in the rain, you know, Mm -hmm. or uh, meet me in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of the, or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and a lot of those shows, they, they had a certain ideal vocal type back in that time women weren't belty soulful those those were not the Mm -hmm. people in wizard of oz meet me in st louis da 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 it's like the light lyrical soprano and that's that wasn't you know the type of voice that was at the forefront of the music that i culturally grew up with Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really hard at the beginning to adapt to that style because that was just simply not my vocal type. And sure. yet a lot of theaters, whether local or a school or a university, that's what they would choose to do, especially mm-hmm. since, you know, um, with um, white people being the majority in a lot of places and the majority in this country, um, you know, that's who they catered to in terms of what shows are you interested in doing? Um, So even if there's like, even if the roles don't have to be a certain race, like um, let's say uh, like um, Putnam or, I mean, I guess there could be some soulful moments in Putnam, but just like things like that, where it's just like bubble gummy, you know, Mm -hmm. singing Mm -hmm. theater, you know, it's just like, (laughs) You know, not exactly like my vocal jam or, you know, legally blonde. Mm-hmm. It's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, that was great, God. by the way. That was wonderful. Thank you. Legally blonde. <laughs> and so, you know, as someone who might have vocal types more like yours or mine, Aubin, right. we're constantly having to vocally adapt. And I guess the pro to that is it's made me a more diverse singer. So mm-hmm. in one moment I can sing a song from Memphis. And then the next moment I can sing a song from little women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, or wizard of Oz, but it's just unfortunate. It's to me, it doesn't, sometimes it rubs me the wrong way that it seems like one side is always the one accommodating the other side, if yes. that makes sense. Yeah, sure. You know, just like um, that. yeah, agreed. Your mom says hair, also. Hair. I think she's adding that to the list. 
of musicals that uh hair i mean there's some soulful moments in hair and there's definitely been um black uh performers who have performed in hair but like even with um like Les Mis initially like back when Les Mis first came out and for a while until maybe like I think it was was the late 90s or early 2000s um Leia Salonga played Eponine so Eponine is like a, a role it's one of my bucket list roles but like back in the day like Eponine especially since it was the French Revolution you know the time and the context you know everybody unless maybe you were in the ensemble was for the most part white and now right. you know now people are slowly starting to adopt like I call it the Hamilton philosophy where you know even though historically it might be inaccurate you know you just kind of colorblind it or you know what I think it should be attributed actually to Brandy and Whitney Houston Cinderella. I think they kind of really um, broke the mm-hmm. glass ceiling on that. But, um, it, it, you know, there was a certain moment where I didn't necessarily see myself, you know, being able to get an eponine. But nowadays it's it's kind of different. It's, yeah. it's different. Like we've had all sorts of people play eponine on Broadway and whatnot. So. Yeah, I think that that tradition or contemporary Broadway is definitely shifting in a focus where I and I wouldn't necessarily say colorblind. We've talked about the issues with the phrasing of colorblind, but um, mm. just that people are okay not writing roles for a specific person or for a specific race unless it is necessary to tell the story. And mm-hmm. like the 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 story of, um, for example. Oh, let's think of what, like, the story of Mamma Mia realistically doesn't change if, you know, the daughter, I mean, actually, thinking about Mamma Mia, I guess I should change that, because it really does change the difference. If, Like, for example, if the dad is black, chances are you have to have a, a yeah. biracial daughter, right. um, or at least one dad who is of color, or all the dads of color, because then you you really don't know who your dad is. You, you really are guessing with, you got two white dads and one black dad, and then a completely white uh, and then I pop out sorry. with my hair cut, and I'm like, I <laughs> sorry, sorry, um, sorry, guy, that's not your, that's not your kid. So it's like, so you got to really think about shows that that maybe the the race does not matter, or or changing the race won't change the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your mom hit the nail on the head. Most musicals, or at least traditional musicals, were not made for people of color in mind. Um, and and so. Kind of on that same token, another question that my fiance had asked. Cheney, you got to you were going to say something, or am I okay to ask the question? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. I realized that was true when Ruby told me that um, the Greece isn't. It doesn't have to be white. No, I mean Greece. If you think about, and and even um, one of the productions that i've seen it i saw greece at williamsport high school several years ago um and the lead who played danny zuko one of the one of the best singers i've ever had the pleasure of singing with his name was dante green um he played danny zuko greece nothing changes in the story of greece if you make danny zuko or or um why is her name escaping me uh sandy, sandy. If, if you make them black nothing changes at all in the story none whatsoever by the way, the stage version, I'm not a big fan of. I prefer the movie, but... I mean, I prefer the stage version just because it has songs that I really like. Like I've just watched the movie 8,000 times in my life, so... Freddie, my love. I just, yeah. I, there's just a certain Freddy, song... Freddie, my love. Freddie, my love. 
Freddie, Freddie, I love But the thing is, though, even with Greece, it'll still have people kind of looking a little sideways. Oh, yeah. If Danny Zuko is, like, for example, black, because there was segregation, you know, right. there was no well, that, that way. Too. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. And and there was no way you were you were even going to be in the same classes, okay? Mm -hmm. Let alone um, everybody was just going to be shuba duba duba about people interracially yeah. dating. Like it just yeah, that, that's a great <laughs> that's a great point. So it does change a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's uh, that is a great point. I didn't think about that. Um, so my, my fiance wanted me to ask you, um, so as I think about, and this is something I think Cheney and I might've been able, might've discussed on a previous podcast, a lot, a, a lot of times with roles that were traditionally written for non people of color, if you place a, a person of color in that role, people often get upset. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would have a problem if they remade Greece to tomorrow, um, and had an all black cast in Greece because what they would see, whether they know the stage version or whether they know the movie version, they're looking at Olivia Newton John. They're looking for a John Travolta and they have that idea in their mind. And like your mom has added, like Annie, when black Annie, I mean, everyone calls it black Annie. No one references it Annie with Covangene Wallace <laughs> oh as the star. It's the black disrespect. Annie. The disrespect. Yeah. It, it mean, has to be something like, that's um, different. It, they got upset. When um, what's what's that? Chloe, yeah. Chloe. Became, oh, when they did the Wiz and it was an all black cast, yeah. like the the which, the which I mean, it's the Wiz. I mean, come right. on. Right, and and they're just like, oh my gosh, like if if you know, then 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 you get the people on there. If if the shoe was on the other foot, and we did if, a all white cast of the Wiz, you guys. If would the be Wizard of Oz, if excited. the Wizard of Oz was ever written. I was oh, just like, sir, there is a <laughs> it's called the Wizard of Oz. Like the reason if the Wizard of Oz was never written. Oh wait, that doesn't that doesn't exactly Look, work. The reason one of the reasons you know pieces like the Wiz are written specifically for black casts is because pieces like the Wizard of Oz were strictly white casts, mm -hmm. and so it created a space for African American actors that wasn't there before. So it's it's ironic when they try to come back with the, oh, if the shoe was on the other foot, by golly. Like, it just it yeah. makes no sense because it's called The Wizard of Oz, sir. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's so people really do complain. I mean, they do that in theater. They do that in Hollywood when Zendaya oh, yeah. was going to play, what's that character's name, Mary Jane? Um mm -hmm comic character like people got upset people got upset with spider-man with my uh, not specifically with miles morales but like there's been talks <laughs> of having a for example there's been talks of having a black james bond there's been talks of having a black spider-man there's been talks of having a black superman but every time one of those characters is even broached with the topic of being portrayed as a person of color everyone is upset because that's not the traditional image in their mind and if you think about you know, if we look at Disney and we see Princess and the Frog having Tiana as the princess for the first time, we saw representation in the Disney princesses. Mm -hmm. um, but then we see that nothing changes in the storyline, for example, of The Little Mermaid, if you make The Little Mermaid black. And so when it came out that Chloe or maybe it's Holly Bailey. Um, 
Hallie. Uh, whichever what whichever Bailey's twin it was, when mm-hmm. it came out that she was going to be uh, the next Little Mermaid in the live action remake, people lost their minds because that's not what they see. Um, when they close their eyes and think of the Little Mermaid, when they see Ariel, they don't see black skin, and so people got upset. And but so she's a mermaid. So you so know, like, it's a fictional. It's like they're fictional characters. Get a grip! Like, come on. Um, and so, has there ever been a time for you when you were Kara, when you were nervous to audition for a role uh, like that, or have you ever gotten one of those roles and still felt like you were? doing a disservice or that you were doing something wrong by being in that position by playing a certain role yeah there was a role that was specifically written in the image of um a non-person of color um and then you were given that role that you felt like you were doing your yourself or the show a disservice or maybe that you were doing a disservice to the original writing if that question makes sense um well there's only there's a couple of roles i've played that I guess were originally for white people in mind. So one would be Joe. Um, we were just high school kids and, you know, there was like a Filipino guy playing Mr. March and well, mm-hmm. not Mr. March. It was the uh, other guy. Um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but you know, it was just like, a, uh, that wasn't as serious to me. Um, other time when I was in legally Blonde, I played Vivian Kensington, and you know in the movie, like, Vivian Kensington um, is white. Um, you even, know, I, 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 like, considering that show specifically, like, in Elle Woods, would you ever even contemplate mm-mm. taking a stab at in Elle Woods? Mm-mm. First of all, homegirl don't look good in blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, Second of all, is that part of the wig storyline that your sister was uh, referencing earlier? Well, no, I think we still need to hear that story at some point. And Little Women, <laughs> they gave me a wig. They gave me a wig for Little Women, and um, one of the reasons they gave me a wig was because Joe March. There's a a point in the plot where her hair's really long, and then she gets a haircut where it's super short. She like sells her hair for her family. Gotcha selfless sacrifice so i had a long wig and then i had a short wig and the wig was mm. the long wig was so crusty by the end of that run <laughs> we just beat it up us kids we didn't know how to take care of anything so yes yes okay uh, but with like uh vivian kensington um you know the the, the role was originally white i think Sometimes I don't think I'm doing necessarily a disservice, but sometimes it's a little awkward for me because mm. there's there's a line in Legally Blonde where um, one of the Delta New sisters, she's talking about Vivian Kensington. It's during the song Positive. And she's like, both her hair and shoes are flat. Why is she so rude? Uh, 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 uh. You know, it, so both her hair and shoes are flat. Mm-hmm. My hair it's not, Does not flat, flat. Yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the line is, "Why is her hair laid to the gods?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. But it's so what I had to do, and I've had to do this for a couple of roles, and I kind of resent it. What I had to do was I had to have my hair straight hmm. throughout all of tech, and you know all of the weeks we were doing shows. And so 
when you have to do that with somebody with my texture of hair, that's very damaging to my mm -hmm. hair because that's just not how it wants to be. You right. know? It wants to be a beautiful little cloud, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so to accommodate. So when I do have to do maybe like a role that's meant for specifically white actors or people in mind, and they have little cute lines like that, that allude to that type right. of whiteness, I have to then, you know, alter myself. And sometimes the way I have to alter myself um, is a disservice to me. So like my cool. hair by the end of that run was just like, girl, say hello to the world of heat damage, <laughs> you know? And you know, that was this, that, um, it's a, it was unfortunate, but it was just kind of like, you know, a, a typical day of someone mm -hmm. who has certain types of features. So, you know. So and, on the flip side, um, sorry to cut you off. Were you, was that, were you done? Mm -hmm. Okay. On the flip side of that, I think that there's a, there are times in my career and, and even in the last several years of, of rejoining the theater world where, at times I felt like the, I'll, I'll share my experiences. So when my reintroduction to theater, as I, as I said uh, previously was um, driving Miss Daisy. Uh, I did not audition for the show. And um, I was not considering it. And I was helping out at the school with the school musical. And I just, you know, it just wasn't something I was interested in. Cause I, at that time I still, never considered myself to be much of an actor. And so I did not think that I would be appropriate for the role. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I was approached by Maggie Abel, the director, uh, shortly after they had begun rehearsals, um, looking for a black actor who was available to do the show because the person that they had cast to be Hope Colburn had dropped out. And I said, no, because I just wasn't interested at the time. And then um, I think they found someone else. And then again, same issue. They dropped out. And so eventually, eventually I said yes. And it was great. And I'm glad that I did the show. Um, but then it happened again. So the in the spring, that following spring, they were doing To Kill a Mockingbird, um, which is a fantastic play. Mm -hmm. um, and auditions came. And I was, again, it was right during the musical season. Um, and so I just was not interested in taking on the responsibility and, you know, I was very busy. I think that was still my first year ever teaching. So it was just like, I was busy and I don't have time for all this as much as I would love to. I'm sorry. I can't. Um, and so to kill a mockingbird came and I did not audition and callbacks came and I still did not audition and callbacks. Uh, I, I was asked to come and read. For mm -hmm. during callbacks, because again, there was times you know when I they needed an actor who could do it, and they're just they did not find a an actor who they <laughs> felt was able to do the role, mm -hmm. and so it got me feeling like, wow, I'm so glad I can play these roles, and I'm thankful that I got the opportunity to do so. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm ungrateful or that I resent in any way because I appreciate everyone for the entire experience. But it got me thinking, like, man, I really want to be in a production where I'm not feeling like I'm cast because I'm, I'm a black actor. I mm -hmm. want to be able to be me 
in a show. And that's kind of a lot of where this this podcast comes from. You know, we the, the name of the podcast is Afro-Latinos. And, you know, I'm African-American, Dominican, Chinese born in Puerto Rico. And so we have these identities, but we are so much more than just the identities that we have. And a lot of times, as soon as you identify as something, you're put into a box and expected to do such and such, you're expected to be such and such. And so um, this podcast is really just designed to be able to be people and just talk about what normal people talk about, you know? And, and so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And I still don't know that I've ever been cast in that role outside of high school where, you know, I can say that I was just me and I got to act and prove that I'm more than just a black actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that show is coming and I know that day is coming, but were there, was there ever an experience before you or, or for you where you felt like the only reason you were cast was because of your skin color. I mean, I mean, there have been times where I know like certain directors have said, you know, we picked this show with you in mind for this role, which Mm. happened to be a person of color Mm. and we know that combined with it not being a white role and combined with the vocal demands like the vocal type you have to have to play it we know that basically our options are limited and it's basically between me and maybe one other person Mm -hmm. but not really um so yeah there have been times where i've um kind of felt like now ladies let me tell you a story. And we're now going to jump into the world of plays because there came a point with me as a performer where um, I felt like I was leaning too much on my singing chop. So I mm. decided, so um, Aubin, you know, at Millersville, there was the all campus musical organization mm. and I did like ACMO stuff or like uh, musicals that university theater was doing. And mm. so I decided for a year just to do plays to challenge myself to be a better actor. Mm-hmm. And so the first play I did was uh, Bury the Dead, um, in which I got like a decent role with that. I got one of the lead roles um, and I played across from uh, Louie, um, if you remember him at all, maybe, maybe not. Um, and then the second play I did was Macbeth. Now that was very intimidating to me because <sighs> Shakespeare is no joke, you know, it's, it's not easy. There's a certain rhythm you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, say your lines in, Mm -hmm. you know, the diction's got to be on point. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I auditioned hoping I would be a witch. I thought Mm -hmm. the witch part was cool. Um, I thought it kind of fit like me and, and it wasn't too much pressure either because there's like two other witches with you like all the time on stage. Mm-hmm. And so after I auditioned, I ended up getting Lady Macbeth, which I was not expecting. And right. um, the guy who played Macbeth across from me, uh, it was um, is a Latino. So um, the thing is with my phenotype, I've never been mistaken as white in my life because hello, but <laughs> um, I have been mistaken for like. Puerto Rican 
uh, for example, Chandler. There have been people who think I'm Puerto Rican when they first see me, and sometimes they'll come up to me speaking Spanish, like da, 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 da. I'm like, ma'am. Lo siento, but you know, you ain't got the right one, you know. (laughs) Besides that, either people know I'm mixed and they know black is one half, but they usually get the other half wrong. Mm. Um, And that's an interesting conversation because I've been told, now this ain't my words, but other people's words, I've been told that it's obvious that my mother is black based off of the way I act. Take that as you will, because okay? <laughs> there's all sorts of, you know, like assumptions that sure, right. so, you know, the biracial people who are more comfortable with their African-American side most likely had an African-American mother. And, you know, it's in that's not a rule book. That's not necessarily true right. all the time. Um, but they usually can tell that, quote unquote, they can tell my mom is the black one. And so based off of the assumption my mom is black, they almost never guess that my dad is white. Because they assume, like, oh, like, you know, a, a white man wouldn't, you know, lower himself sure. to be the husband and stay with a, you know, a black woman. Like, that's just, girl, no. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think, like their line of thinking. And there's been people who have straight up told me this, like, unabashedly. Oh, that's have bold. This. Um, and so people have, I've gotten crazy guesses, like Blasian, you know, some people have I guessed. Love, like, gotta love that. <laughs> like, I ha- I'm like half Asian. I'm just like, girl, no. But um, yeah, usually if, if, if they know I'm multiracial, they usually guess half black and then something else that's just like in outer space, or they guess I'm Puerto Rican. That's mm. usually what they guess I am. Um, but back to the original question, what was it? You were asking about. Have you ever been in any roles that you were specifically given because you were uh, Macbeth? Color. So but yes, Macbeth. That's my experience. Were. There was something interesting that happened. So I played across from a guy. I was leading Macbeth. Macbeth was a guy who was Latino. There was this little murmur, whisper going across the cast because you know how sometimes theater people are. Like once the cast list comes out, they get a little petty. They get a little petty because some people might not be happy with the outcome or, you know, mm-hmm. they might be judging like, oh, they gave such and such that part. <sighs> well, we might as well forget about having a decent show, you know. So yeah. there was a murmurs going across the cast where they're like, oh, you know, I think the director might have casted Kara and what's his face together because they kind of look alike. You know, they they look the most alike out of right. the pair potential pairs of people right. that auditioned and that he was considering um, during the callbacks. And he's they're like, because, you know, they kind of, you know, both look alike and it's kind of edgy to have some people of color in those roles. Like, you know, he's just trying to, like, be that girl, be different. Um, you know, that that might have been a big factor. And I'm just yeah. like, girls, look, I, I the way the. And it was the same person who directed Rent, who directed mm-hmm. Beth. And he's just mm-hmm. not that way. He's not going to cast because of that. And we both know that. Um, at the end of the day, I just think maybe he liked the way we read together. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, you know, we 
came up prepared. Like we weren't going to be mushed mouthed and, you know, yeah. like yeah. through the papers. Like, you know, we were both like very serious about the callback and we were very prepared. So I think at the end of the day, that's what it was. Yeah. But it's kind of like, even if you get certain roles that are typically like given to white people or was written by white people for white people, mm-hmm. they kind of think you're like the token Mm, in a way. Right, get right. it like, oh, they're just trying to be that sickening DEI girl. Mm-hmm. You know? And so sometimes that can make you feel a little, you know, insecure about like, did I actually get it because I right. got it? Or right, right, right. Yeah. And I and I think that that is uh something that we're possibly probably going to have to fight with and a in a concern that we're probably gonna have to deal with until there is a dramatic transformation. And as we've said, we we do see some of those transformations taking place in contemporary Broadway now. Um, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens and what shakes out. Do you have any other thoughts about the conversation, Kara? Anything else you wanted to add? I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not the host. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be stepping on your toes. No, there's no, no, uh, no offenses at all. But if you are okay with where we are in the conversation now, I think this would be a great time to transition to our, our last segment of the day. Are, yeah. are you ready? I, I kind of warned you about this. I did leave a small <laughs> detail out, which um, I have a surprise for you in, in a couple minutes here. Okay. Um, so this is our segment, one of our favorites. And actually, this is the last time that this segment will be done on the actual podcast. It's actually transitioning to a standalone show, uh, which will be live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, so this is um, called You Think You Know. Um, and this edition of, of You Think You Know is called You Think You Know Musicals. And so let me explain to you how this works. And for people who have never watched the show before, if this is your first time, um, feel free to uh, listen carefully. Um, in just a moment, Kara, I'm going to be reading 15, or Chaney and I, will be reading 15 descriptions of Broadway musicals. Okay. In 30 seconds or less, you will have to give us the name of the musical that is being described. For each one, 30 seconds for each. Each one, 30 seconds for each. Uh, And on You Think You Know, we only take your first answer. So whatever you tell me first, whatever we hear first is what we got to take. Okay. Okay. Uh, So you you have as much time, you have as as much time in that 30 seconds, of course, as you need to answer. So take your time, you know, think about it a little bit. Um, we are, oh, we oh. our goal for the episode today is to figure out how much you think you know about musicals. Now, Chandler, what are we going to say? These are descriptions. Descriptions, yes. Yeah, I was like, why are these questions so goddamn long? But I, I, I see. <laughs> no, they're descriptions. Now, well, Kara, go ahead. you try to catch me slipping. Pretty much. That's exactly the, the description. Uh, that's a perfect way to describe it. Now, Kara, I have a surprise for you. Today on this episode, as this is our final You Think You Know for the regular podcast, um, I have a lifeline for you. Okay. Yes. I'm going to give you a, a phone a friend in the form of none other I than Mr. It. Seth Spawnhaus. <laughs> Hello, Seth. Kara! <laughs> Girl, how did I know you were about to cloud up this set? Kara <laughs> C L A S E Clace. 
Yeah, that's that's an audition reference, by the way. There was a there was a, I auditioned for a show. Seth was directing, and he pretended like he didn't know my last name. So I came out to audition, and I said, um, I was just like, hey, like, because they asked us to like state our names. I'm like, hey, I'm Kara. And they're like, up uh, first and last, please. I'm like, okay, fine, please, P L A S E. And they just, it's never gone away since. Seth, my friend, how are you, buddy? I'm in. I, I'm great. We are in the middle. Are you? Of, we're. I'm in the middle of our final rehearsal for Bridges of Madison County um, before we load into the theater tomorrow. So, um, yeah, we're in the middle. We just did our costume parade. We're loading the truck now, and um, then we go into the sits probe. So it's exciting around here. So I'm at the theater. Um, you have a sits probe today? We do. Yeah, we have a sits probe today. So, so yeah, no final final rehearsal, and then we go. Well, you know, I just thought it was fitting as our first ever guest on the Afro Latinos podcast, and you know, just because we we are that's family, right, Karen, the MU, that's, that's right, the Karen, MU family right here. So, figured we might give you some help in case you needed it. Now, okay. and hold on, not, hold on, hold on, hold on. First, ahead, I, ahead, I believe so. I'm the reigning champ of the, he's the he's, highest scorer we've ever score. had. And yeah. uh, Kara, think, come on. Look, so I I don't think I'm gonna beat Seth. The, but <laughs> my thing is, I know a lot about musicals that are maybe a little bit older to a certain degree. Oh, the new junk, like trying to throw at us girls. Like I. Well, I, the good thing is, I put together a list of you know wide at a widely expansing time in Broadway history. So, okay. um. You know, you, you might be all right. So you, okay. Seth is here for you to use as you see fit. Is it only it, musicals? It is only musicals. 15 okay. musicals only, all from MTI. I took the list while I was at work this morning. So <laughs> these descriptions, are, if, if, if you have anyone to blame, blame MTI because these descriptions are straight from their website. So okay. Okay. Um, Seth is your phone a friend. If you need him, if you feel like you got it, you got it. Um, audience, if you're watching, who who are watching, I should say, you can also chime in, in the conversation as you see fit um, and try to help Kara get a better score than Seth on uh, You Think You Know. <laughs> Don't worry, Seth. We might have you back on when we when we move to the live show next so week. There are, there are uh, all the MTI shows. It's not going to be anything like Samuel French or anything. No. Every every single one of these 15 you know, shows the right from the MTA website. Okay. Cheney, you've got the score, right? No. It, on the well, you're on the website, so you have the score, but you just don't know you have the score. So, all right, oh, let me get the timer. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let know me how. get the timer on the screen. All you got to do is click it. So if you just click, you can click the first one now. If you me? want. This is no, way not you, Karen. When I did that. This is this yes. Is we've up, listen, food. Seth. We've upgraded, man. I, I, not, I don't. I don't stay. I. I am not content <laughs> staying basic for too long. So. Oh, well, she okay. doesn't even have one yet. So give her go back to the zero. Your star score right now is I, I hear you. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So right now you're at zero out of 15, and we're just gonna see how much you think you know about Broadway musicals. Are you ready? Sure. Uh all right. I will start with the first question. And the timer starts after I finish reading it the first time. Okay. Okay. Yep. Your sister, I believe, if that is your sister, she says good luck. Thanks, Chloe. All right, here we go. Set in the 1590s, brothers Nick and Nigel Bottom are desperate to write a hit play, but are stuck in the shadow of... 
well, damn, let me finish the whole thing. <laughs> because somebody might want to, you know, somebody might want to know what the description was. I'm going to finish reading it, although you are correct. I will finish reading it. Uh, Nick and Nigel Bottom are desperate to write a hit play, but are stuck in the shadow of that Renaissance rock star known as the Bard. When a local soothsayer foretells that the future of theater involves singing, dancing, and acting at the same time, Nick and Nigel set out to write the world's first musical. And that's the end. And so typically you would have that whole 30 seconds and then you'd think about it, but you didn't need the time. So one Wait, out of 15. Description, or are you going to perform the whole musical for it? Because that was the entire thing. Like we just read the whole thing. Dude. I mean, you're there ready. was, I actually skipped two lines out of the description. You're, you girls are ready for my Listen. rendition of something rotten. Okay. Go ahead. But you know, welcome to the Renaissance. Let's go. I'm re I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Question number two, Cheney. All right. <clears throat> His girlfriend wants to get married and move out of the city. His best friend is making big bucks on Madison Avenue, and yet John is still waiting on tables and trying to write the great American musical. Set in 1990, this compelling story of personal discovery is presented as a rock musical filled with instantly appealing melodies. And a unique blend of musical theater styles. Could you read that again? Yes. His girlfriend wants to get married and move out of the city. His best friend is making big bucks on Madison Avenue. And yet, John is still waiting on tables and trying to write the great American musical. Set in 1990, this compelling story of personal discovery is presented as a rock musical filled with instantly... Seth, I'm going to use the lifeline now, Seth. Tick, tick, boom. Oh, yes. That is tick, tick, boom. Yep. It is. I've seen tick, tick, boom. Yeah. The lovely auto autobiography of uh, Jonathan Larson, who coincidentally wrote Rent. See, if you would have said Jonathan instead of John. Uh, what did I tell you? Kara, listen. What did I tell you? Blame MTI. MTI said John. So that's all I'm saying. MTI said John. That's it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, uh, Prima did a production of Tick, Tick, Boom um, several years back, like back in 2016. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Prima. Am I done now? She used me? No, no, you can stay. Just hang okay. out. She, you're there for the all 15 questions, so oh, as okay. much or as little as she needs. God, Wait a minute. Not, so I can call up on Seth again? Sure. As a like Wait a minute. So I'm going to help her beat my score? That's right. So give her wrong answers and see if she believes you. Oh. <laughs> oh. I got it. You got you to be oh. sneaky. You know what I'm saying? You got to be ready for it. I'm, I'm going to know it's incorrect. He's going to be like, cats. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> Mac and Mabel. Oh, no. All right. Man, I'm eating candy. And now I got Cheney. Can you ask number three? I got candy, mom. Actually, I got, got it. it. Go ahead. All right. All right. <clears throat> Based on the Universal Pictures cult classic movie of the same name, this musical follows the journey of a magical and beautiful Greek muse, Kira, who descends from the heavens of Mount Olympus to and I do. What part of the Venice Beach, California in 1980. <laughs> on a... <laughs> I might as well not even finish it. It just doesn't matter because Kara just doesn't know how to follow rules. So, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> give it a three. It's all right. She got it. She got it. Like, all right. I 
I can't help it, girls. It's just how I am. Let's just it's, get down to business. Let's not waste anybody's time, right, Seth? Seth, she uh, she might she might beat you. I'm just saying. Question number four: uh, Michael Dorsey is a skilled actor with a talent for not keeping a job. Desperate and out of work, Michael makes a last ditch effort at making his dreams come true by disguising himself as actress Dorothy Michaels. That's all you're gonna get. I'm not giving you any more. Say that one more time. <laughs> That's plenty. Michael Dorsey is a skilled actor with a talent for not keeping a job. Desperate and out of work, Michael makes a last-ditch effort at making his dreams come true by disguising himself as actress Dorothy Michaels. I'm. This is not it. But how to su succeed in business without really trying? That's not it. That is a great answer. I mean, a great wrong answer. Can as, I? As can I give the right answer? Go ahead, Seth. Give her the right answer. That would be. Tootsie. Oh, never Tootsie. Ew. No. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I, it's just like it just didn't it didn't draw me in. It didn't draw me in. Didn't pull you in. It's okay. You only missed one. You're you're still doing well. Three for four is not a bad score. You know, seventy five percent. But you can always go up. All right, Cheney, you want me to do this one? Or you got this one. I mean, I can read it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Also. Um, if Seth doesn't want to help her all the time, you know, beat his score, then you can have like a cool down, like every other like question or something that you, that's when you can help. Cheney, are you just making up rules as we go? But come on, you haven't gotten any better at this. In the last <laughs> five months you've been running this damn show. What are you doing? Cheney, I had to hide. We always before. make rules on the go. I was like, I bet Cheney is coming in hot as a talkative co-host with intellectual no. input and i'm just no. seeing none of it Never. no you're you're expecting too much out of me bro. Hey, Cheney, don't, don't, don't listen to the haters you're doing fine <laughs> i appreciate it thank you i'm just fine just oh, listen okay all right question number five a small group of people helped jesus christ oh tell God. different parables by using a wide variety of games storytelling techniques and a hefty dose of comic timing. Stop there. I mean, I, I was. Godspell. God. Ruby's in Godspell, so. Do I hear Ruby right now? You do yeah. hear Ruby right now. Rubster. I just came from Godspell rehearsal. Hello. Well, look at that. The odds. Oh, I, I guess heard I'm. Jesus, in. I said Godspell. What are the gods? <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Oh, I'm sorry. the amigos Man. part of this. Right? I was just, remember. I was just thinking of, uh, I was, I was just thinking about um, another one of my favorites, um, Once on This Island. You said the gods, and I just thought the gods. Great show, missed that show. All right, anyway, number six. Um, on the night of his 35th birthday, confirmed bachelor Robert contemplates his unmarried state. Over the course of a series of dinners, drinks, and even a wedding, his friends. Uh, explain the pros, pros and cons of taking on a spouse. What's the, say the first sentence again? I have a guess. On the night of his 35th birthday, confirmed bachelor Robert contemplates his unmarried state. Over the course of a series of dinners, drinks, and even a wedding, his friends explain the pros and cons of taking on a spouse. I want to say, uh, no. this is a bad guess, company? Yeah. That is 
Correct. Yeah. The only reason that, you know, marry me a little. That gives it away. Saw Company once, you know, at the coincidentally at the community I theater league in Westport. Company on Netflix. Where are you? <laughs> you know, sometimes only bits and pieces oh, of me, depending on how much the musical resonated with me. A white man complaining about not being married just didn't really like strike the I just watched it and I was like, that was nice. Click. But have you? But Kara, have you listened to the revival? No, the one with like Patty Lapone in them. So the revival is a female is the is the lead, oh. and it's written from the female per, per like um, perspective of being of a certain age, being told you need to marry, mm -hmm. and and all of that jazz. So it like it helped right, add, it took it out of when it was written, and it really helped. The song I really like from Company is "Not Getting Married Today." That is so impressive. Like it doesn't take like vocal range. But it's just like that speed and that diction. That's the, so that was the one set that Aubrey sang, right? When I say he's talking, he's doing business. I think that's the that's the really fast one, right? The one with like yeah. a lot of words. I think that was Aubrey Potash, I think is how you pronounce her name. I think that was her role in uh CTL. Okay. Uh mm -hmm. next question. Here you go, Kara. Uh, Francesca Johnson, a beautiful Italian woman who married an American soldier to flee war-ravaged Italy, looks forward to a rare four days alone on her Iowa farm when her family heads to the 1965 State Fair. When ruggedly handsome National Geographic photographer Robert Kincaid pulls into her driveway seeking directions, what happens in those four days may very well alter the course of Francesca's life. You know what? You said State Fair. So is, I did say State Fair. I'm just going to say, because there is a musical, I believe, called State Fair. That is. So I'm going to guess State Fair. And I am going to guess that that is an incorrect answer. Um, but our dear friend Seth Spawnhouse would love to tell you exactly what this show is. Is it Bridge, Seth, Bridge of Madison it, County? It is the Bridge it of Madison is. County. <laughs> I don't watch that. I, that type of I, oh, I was, I was place, hoping I think you, you should take a road trip up next Ooh, Saturday, two o'clock, for the matinee. Come see this beautiful production. I think. Maybe, maybe we should, I'm a man. Who knows? I, I, I think if Kara does that, I see, I hear a, a, a meeting that has to take place. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I hear of a spot that might be nice for some. I miss, well, I miss Kara Clace every day of libations. my life. So if I can see her. <clears throat> All right. I'll consider it. Send me some information. That might be something fun for uh, Matt and I to do. So. Yeah. It's a very romantic show. Very romantic. Okay. Better not be trash because I ain't driving a couple hours. <laughs> people walking out some off keynotes and some bad acting. You know? <laughs> do I produce trash? Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know? Can I read? Oh, <laughs> I I have to duck. Out, so, Caraclase, your lifeline has to leave. Oh, okay. oh this guy. Send me the info for the show. Send me thank, the info. I will. I will. Thank you for inviting me, Alvin. This was the perfect thing I needed today. Kara, it was so you're lovely. you're welcome, my friend. Nice seeing you again. Um, Wait, Chaney. Seth, don't leave. Don't leave yet. Yeah. Just give me one second. Okay, I won't leave yet. Oh, there it is. is. I just wanted you to see it. I just there wanted you to see it real quick. So, I'll, and as a matter of fact, yeah, I'll leave it on the screen. Dancing bridge the rest of the show. County. There's, there's no dancing bridge, Kara. I hate to disappoint you, but 
<laughs> Keep it real, y'all. I miss you. Love you all. I'll talk Thanks, to you Seth. Love you. Thanks for Bye. coming. Peace yeah. out, bro. Well, looks like your lifeline ran out. So uh, you're all on your own again. Look, he wasn't about to give me no correct. <laughs> you know how Seth is. He's pissed. He gave you, he gave you one. On because he, he didn't know that there was a choice. Okay. All right. Well, next. Number eight. You're doing, well, by the way. You're, you're doing well, by the way. You're, you got five for seven. You're doing well. The average score is a 10 out of 15. So as long as you beat that, okay, you'll be great. We'll see. Let's see. Where do I stop? I know. Right. I, I, given the whole story, Seth might have been right. I just didn't want to give not enough because MTI is very descriptive. I wanted to make sure I had enough, but not enough. So. All right. Number eight. Elizabeth, a city planner, moves back to New York to to restart her life in the city of infinite possibilities when her carefully designed plans collide with the whims of fate elizabeth's life splits into two parallel paths this musical follows both stories simu- simu- simultaneously jesus forgive him he does not speak english <laughs> as this modern woman faces the intersection of choice and chance. This is so vague. That is not enough. There's only one more sentence, so... What's the sentence? I'll write it. This contemporary Broadway musical is about living in New York today and all of the possibilities of tomorrow. Did that help? (laughs) (laughs) My God! Some is is it like I love you now change, or that's a good one. That's a good guess too. That's my guess. I mean, it's a good guess. It's the wrong guess, but it's it's right. The correct correct answer is if then. Oh, Oh. see, I don't. Tom Kit, and you did something for Tom Kit. She was literally it. Never mind. Uh, Anyways. So the change- problem is you're doing all MTI. So that's going to exclude most of Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's going to exclude most of Rogers and Hammerstein. Like, Listen, I just terrible. went with what I knew. I Remember, I was at work when I did this and put these questions together. Why are you moving the order of people, Janie? What are you I doing? didn't know that was possible. <laughs> you're <laughs> on as the host right now. You can do I'm literally whatever you want. You can literally do whatever you want. Hey, we're, we're about to bounce back. It's going to be, oh, Tini, I just had an idea. Why didn't I, I don't have to do it like this. I just thought of an idea for the next time we do this when we actually, anyway, I'm sorry. All right, next question. Uh, Based on the hit Adam Sandler movie, this musical set in 1985, uh, you stars Rocky, let me start over, Carrie, because apparently I can't read And it's the wedding singer. Okay, there we go. Never mind. I'm I'm good, the wedding singer. Oh, yeah. It seems like, it seems fun. I've never seen it, but I've listened to some Linda. music. Linda, the slutty ex-fiance. Love that for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on up. Chaney, did you give her her point? Uh, no, because my thing liked, and I didn't hear a single word that you guys said. Gotcha. Well, well, she I, did get that one right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, okay. Kara, I, I, I know you're going to get this right away, but just give it a second. Okay. Cheney, if you just made sounds, nothing came out. 
Technical difficulties. Okay, we're back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'm reading. Yes. The ghost with the most comes to the stage in this edgy and ir- irreverent, irreverent musical comedy based on Tim Burton's dearly beloved film. That's yeah, you it. just might as well stop there. That that's all you, you <laughs> I told you you were going to need more than that. <laughs> if you say it one more time, he might show up. Beetlejuice. Nah, he ain't coming to work. I wish. He's not going to show up here. Man. But, yeah. you... Nah, you don't care about Watching. Never mind. It had to do with film, but this is about musical theater, so it's pointless. Yes. Good, good thought. All right, uh, Cheney, next question. Can you read the next one for me? Yes. Katie Heron sure. may have grown up on an African savanna, but nothing prepared her for the wild and vicious ways of her strange <laughs> new home. Her she already knows what it is. Suburban <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> I'm not even going to put the timer on, Kara. It's, it's a waste of time. Mean girls. <laughs> mean girls is correct. I could have, but I didn't even know it was. Any. What happened? She said I could have at least took out Katie hair, and I was like, I don't know, I don't. I know. I just put stuff in here. Just... It still would have. It still would have been obvious. Growing up on <laughs> Savannah, wasn't prepared for the wet, mean ways of. Bye. Next question. All right. Next question. You got it. Question number twelve. Uh, is that she's only missed what two, three, three, three? Yeah, so is that the right score? Yes, Yes. okay. Question number 12. I mean, no, she should be eight for 11 if she's only missed. She should be eight for 11. I gave her two points. This guy, all right. A multiple Tony Award winning theatrical tour de force. This show combines Sondheim's signature blend of intelligently stunning lyrics. And beautiful music with a panoramic story of our nation's culture of celebrity and the violent means some will use to obtain it. Read that again. A multiple Tony Award winning theatrical tour de force. This show combines Sondheim's signature blend of intelligently stunning lyrics and beautiful music with a panoramic story of our nation's culture of celebrity and the violent means some will use to obtain it. This is an ideal choice for mature audiences and will challenge your designers as they try to recreate famous moments and people in America's history. We need an answer. Assassins is correct. Nice shot in the dark there, Kara. Well, it wasn't a shot in the dark. It was just kind of like, <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, everything else, I, I really had to chop that one up because everything mentioned the presidents and those who have tried to kill. And I was just like, like, come on, like, that's too easy. I'm oh, trying to make it, trying to make it harder, petty. Of course I was trying to make, I couldn't give you all the easy ones. You know what I'm saying? I, I gave you some tough ones here. So anyway, question number 13, you got it. You're doing great. Um, you got it, Cheney? Or you want me to do it? Yeah, I got it. I think you know 15. Anyways. Um, all right, number 13. 
This musical explores how one suburban household copes with crisis and mental illness. Dad's an architect. Mom rushes to pack lunches and pour cereal. Their daughter and son are bright, wisecracking teens, appearing to be a typical American family, and yet their lives are anything but normal because the mother has been battling manic depression for 16 years. Next to normal. Correct. Something like that. Mm, exactly like that, Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cheney, did you give her a point for assassins? Okay. All right. You're doing great. Uh, <laughs> you have the potential to get a 12 out of 15, which I, I think was... Uh, that's the tie. That's, is that most. tied for Seth's score? Okay. I wasn't sure. Uh, number 14. Um, this emotionally captivating musical is the only show to have music that won an Academy Award, a Grammy, an Olivier Award, and a Tony. On the streets of Dublin, an Irish musician and a Czech immigrant are drawn together by their shared love of music. I know it, but I don't know the name. Oh, gosh. Oh, once. That is correct. You can't look it up. No, it. <laughs> I think you know this one. Carrie's you know right. gonna get this one easily, easily. Okay. <clears throat> Would you like me to read this? One? I'm not even gonna put this. Matter of fact, let me just take the timer off the screen because you're. It, it's it's not even worth it. Based on the story of Genesis. The age-old conflict of parents and children takes the stage <laughs> in this epic. That's all you're going to get me? just going to start right there? You're just going to stop an epic in the middle of a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> this epic, heartfelt Stephen Schwartz musical. Oh, such a good musical. I'm one of my favorites I've ever done. Mm -hmm. would love to do it again. Adam and Eve, no, in the fall. Children of Eden. Yes. <laughs> such Which, a I, I'm a little offended. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kara. What do you say? Oh, I, I just said it's one of my bucket list shows. It is. I, I got to do that my senior year of high school, and I would. it's one of those shows I would love to do again. But it is uh, one of those one, you know, like some, some people get the rights and you can have like all of these soundtracks on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. Children of Eden, you get two songs. You get, I think, um, oh, what's the song that it's in Act 2, it's the love song. Oh my god. Whatever gosh. time we have? In whatever time we have, yes. You get that and I think you get one more, but you don't get all the best songs of the show. Like I'm I was what's so the, hurt. What's the other one? Is it like Ain't It I'm Good looking, or I'm looking right now, which is a fantastic song, by the way. I love that. Uh, I mean, Lost Lost in the Wilderness is Woo! all that you get. That is my jam. Lost a, a man who could really sing the heck out of that song. Woo! Does your boyfriend sing? Does he is he a performer also? You <laughs> <laughs> had to do him like that. I, I mean, has different talents. His talents. Yes. I mean, yes. he used to do theater for fun, but he's he's a he can act, but he can't sing. Gotcha. He's just a little bit tone deaf, but that's okay. You know, he's he's more of like a tech guy. He's really good at gotcha. the You got everybody's got to have their piece. It can't be good that at everything. So All right, I guess okay. Did you see Beetlejuice appear? Did you see him show up, Kara? 
No, does Seth count as Beetlejuice? <laughs> Just look, look, look up. Oh, that way. Look, look up there, real quick, in that direction. In that general oh yes i i did see that he made an appearance so just wanted to give you a heads up at all right well was, at first i was almost like seth i i thought you had to go but then i was like oh that's <laughs> <laughs> oh poor seth <laughs> kara this has been a phenomenal time and such a great conversation so thank you for uh, being willing to join the show today and you got a 12 out of 15 which is tied with Seth for the highest score uh, on You Think You Know. So we, I, I might have to have an episode because we are, as I said, we're moving this segment to its own show, a live show Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. So maybe I, I can squeeze the both of you in and put you guys head to head at some point and we'll just you'll just see what happens. So um, we agree. It's a, a fantastic oh, show. I believe that's in reference to Children of Eden. Thanks, Mom. Uh, so thank you, Kara, for uh, coming to the show. This has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate you for being willing to join us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Absolutely, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and for being a part of the show. We got some really exciting things happening over the next week that we're super excited to bring you. We will be uh, bringing four shows to you every week. Uh, We'll talk about that later. Cheney, you're so stupid. We will talk about that later on another um, episode or or a a short video on Facebook. So uh, we're very excited for what's happening. You can catch this on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube channel at Afro Latinos. Um, And again, to our guests, Kara, thank you. Yeah, thanks Uh, for having me. Absolutely. This has been your co-host, Alvin. And Chandler. And everybody, have a good night. Peace, everybody. Bye.